Hello and welcome to episode two of Living Water Christian Podcast, where we talk about the life-changing power of God. My name is Dan Dowrimple and I'll be running the board today. I would now like to introduce you to your host, Chad Sutton. Chad, what? tell them what we have planned for today. Good evening, all you beautiful children of God. We have a wonderful show uh, in store for you. Thank you, Dan, for the intro. Uh, we're going to go a couple different directions tonight. Um, first, first, I want to start off by uh, dropping a quick prayer uh, that, um, that we can we can get this show started out correct uh, or you know with confidence I should say um, Holy Spirit I pray that you fill this room with your words and not mine amen so let's talk about that just for a second everybody seems to think that uh, that you have to have and hey I was that way too that you got to have a 20-minute prayer for anything you don't God knows your heart right you can have three or four words just like I did right there and he, again, he knows your heart. So when we say something to him, we're already just kind of confirming what he already knows. So we're also going to dig into Dan's story. He's been gracious enough to come on and, and tell his story. We're also going to dive into a little bit of Easter. Yesterday was Easter, and um, we're going to dive into that and what the true meaning is uh, about it. And yeah, we're going to kind of go just a couple different directions tonight. So, um, Buckle your seatbelts up, all two of you, and enjoy the show. <laughs> I hope this is encouraging you, to you, and I uh, hope it speaks to you. All right. Back to uh, you, my friend. All right, everyone. So I still feel that I'm in a process of learning what it means to be a Christian and what it, you know, studying the Bible. But with many things in life, you never stop learning. It's You don't reach a finish line with that. And sometimes I feel like I'm not ready to talk about this subject matter. But I'm building the puzzle, and, and I'm still missing some of the pieces, but that's okay. Someone told me, your story is your truth, and you don't, you don't need to have a lot of biblical knowledge just to tell your story and how God has worked in your life. And there's... I believe that to be true. So I'll start with, with my early life. I was born in a small town in Virginia called Herndon, in Fairfax County. It was about 30 minutes out of Washington, D.C., about two hours from the ocean, the Atlantic coast, and about two hours from the Shenandoah Mountains and the Appalachian Trail. My father owned a Volkswagen camper bus. That was our, our only car. So, needless to say, we went camping almost every weekend. Just to, we, had, we had the camper, and it was just easy. And my parents uh, decided to, to raise me outdoors for the most part. So if we weren't, if we weren't at home... Or if we weren't at school or at work, we're usually at the lake fishing or swimming or just hanging out. Or, you know, headed to a park, or a stream, forest. So that was that was something I tried to give my kids also. I know I, I had kids. I know I was raised Catholic. Did you have any introduction to the Lord or any kind of faith based anything growing up? Yeah, my my parents <clears throat> Became Christian probably two or three years before, or they gave their lives to Christ two or three years before they had me. So they were still on fire for God and real passionate and still learning just like I am right now. That's awesome. And I was raised in that, in, in that environment. My dad went to seminary. He was involved in the, the music worship ministry. And... As they were learning, they were teaching teaching my sister and I. I have a sister that's a year and a half younger than me. And there was one thing that I'd wish that they had had a stronger grasp on or conveyed to me in a better way, and that is the fact that, you know, we're all human, we're all here in the flesh, and it's impossible for us not to sin. So I was told a lot about what things were sins and which things I needed to stop doing or confess and which things were 
you know, against Christianity and against God, but I wasn't really told, but these mistakes are going to happen, you know, I wasn't really told, hey, this is a part of your journey, is that you're going to make mistakes, so I had a lot of guilt that I had to deal with, and I think, I think that might have been what pushed me, you know, away from it when I turned 18, but, um, Do you feel like if you would have known these things, it's kind of like when you tell your kid, right? Don't touch the stove. They still go touch it. They mm-hmm. learn after they touch it, right? And I believe that's what God lets us do is fall down. So we do learn because mm-hmm. you can read or hear all these different things, but until you actually go through it is when you truly remember it. Yeah. I had a, a sense of, of guilt as a child that I was, sinning occasionally you know or every day like most people and um it kind of led me to depression i i didn't enjoy being a christian did you see it as work no i saw it as or pain i saw it as uh as guilt and you know i I focused too much on 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 feeling bad for the times Mm. that i slipped up and I think if, if my parents and, and parents make mistakes, you know, I, I don't blame them for anything they did because you don't automatically become good at being a parent just because you have a kid. So I just think if they had, along with telling me what was right and wrong and where I was messing up, if they had said, Hey, but this is natural, you're gonna, you're gonna eventually make these mistakes less and you know if if they had given me a little message of grace mixed with that and then um so in in my teenage years when i turned 18 i i decided that i wanted to step away from the church and i wanted to pursue a, a music rock and roll lifestyle partying and all that and God didn't really fit into that picture because then I would, I would feel that guilt. So I had to somehow convince myself that God wasn't real so that I could go along with my own plans. Now, when you said God's God's not real, did you kind of just shove that down to a deep place in your soul? Or did you really come to a point where you really questioned your faith? Because I think a lot of people listening right now, we all come to that at some point. Is God real? Is this real or is it fake? I think I made a conscious decision not to think about it. Okay. Because every time I did, you know, the truth would would crack. It would pop my bubble of that I was trying to live in. So I think the truth was always in there, but buried down, like you said. And the the guilt is why you wouldn't didn't want to face this, correct? Right. I didn't want to be accountable. Yeah. If I if I could say through science, oh, this is impossible. Uh, science can explain away this or that. Right. Uh, the book's so old, everything's dated, and it's not relevant. You know, if I could if I could justify it to myself why I I should live a rock and roll lifestyle, then I was I was going to do it. And right. and uh, alcohol and and marijuana things like that made it very easy to to not think about the truth. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, once I got sober, that's when the truth kind of leaked back in (laughs) and I couldn't deny it anymore. So in my teenage years, you know, I, I had a girlfriend when I was 17 that I was madly infatuated with and, uh, she wanted to run off to California, start some life. She was, she was 17 too. You know, we were being stupid. So I ran off with her. We wound up in Chicago. And um, it's kind of a big, crazy adventure. Put my parents through a lot of stress. And then at the end of that, I realized that maybe she didn't even want me to go with her. Maybe that was her way of trying to break off the relationship. And I didn't, I was too clueless to see that. So I did that. Um, Then when I got back from that trip, I had pretty much made my mind up that I was going to go a different direction than my upbringing. And when I was a teenager, 
before, you know, I, I was wholeheartedly into it and, and I believed it and I believed that it was the truth. And, um, I was, I was confident in, in that reality that God was real and that Christ had died for my sins and that I was going to go to heaven and that it was a message that needed to be spread. But it just didn't fit into my lifestyle that I decided I wanted to have. So in my young adult years, I, I joined a rock and roll band. I started partying, drinking heavy, spending whole paychecks at the liquor store for everybody. Um, you know, experimenting with, with psychedelics, things like that. Um, <clears throat> and just really put my whole life into playing, playing rock music and writing rock music. And, uh, I got married, I got married young at 21. I taught my, my young wife how to live the rock and roll lifestyle, which I, I regret now. We had, uh, we had three children and then the, the rock and roll lifestyle caught up with us at, at one point. And, uh, my wife at that time, her name was Lisa. She passed away in a car accident and, uh, the kids, my, the kids were, were young. They were in kindergarten and first grade. And, um, that was a huge shift in, in my life and in my identity because I had made, I had made the mistake of making my wife, my whole world, which sounds like the right thing to do. Right. But, you know, once you start learning the biblical teachings for marriage, you know, that relationship with God has to come first and then the wife, you know, I, to chime in just for a moment, I did the same thing in my marriage. Um, I made her, I tried to do everything to please her. And when she didn't respond how I thought she should respond, I would get mad at her. She didn't oh, even yeah. know she was doing anything oh, wrong. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't doing anything wrong. That was me and my my demons, my insecurity. Oh, yeah. But it's so easy to do that, that we place expectations on a spouse or a kid or whatever that looks like that they could never fulfill. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I had no idea how to be a husband or I it wasn't until I went to the church and said, Look, I don't know how to do this stuff and, and got the information and the knowledge that I was able to be a better husband. So so I kinda lost myself when she passed away. I didn't have any closure because it was a it was a car accident. It was all of a sudden and um and you had three kids. I had three as kids. As a single dad, right? That, that I had to had to be there for. So I I quit drinking everything. I, I went sober. It lasted about a year. I um, quit quit eating because it was. I mean, the sorrow, the mourning, really takes your appetite away. So I I got down to about one sixty five. Um, and I didn't have God in my life at that time. And you were still carrying around the guilt from your teens years, correct? Yeah. I didn't have God in my life. I, I had my circle of friends, which, which I thought was enough. And they did help me a great deal. I... <clears throat> I had a point, and I don't remember exactly what it was in relation to all that. Oh, it's about losing losing my identity, losing myself when, when she passed away. So I had to to redefine myself as, as a new person, pretty much, because I had everything wrapped up in being married to this one person and being that husband and being in that relationship. So I had to, to recreate myself, reinvent myself. Now I had to be mom and dad 
Now I had to be, you know, super reliable Superman to take, to raise the three kids. My parents helped me a great deal. They helped a massive amount. Um, so I started getting into meditation and researching that without God, I, I didn't know what else to do. So I got into meditation and probably opened some doors in, in my mind and my soul that I shouldn't have opened. Just because you, I mean, you really shouldn't do that. You shouldn't just leave a wide open door and ask for entities to bestow on you knowledge. And that's what I was doing. And um, I was receiving communications, I believe, from, you know, from the other side. But, you know, very reckless to do. I don't suggest anybody do that. Now, you said that you were sober for about a year. Did you kind of dive off into the deep end of the pool again? Or was it just... Yeah, I... Uh, I eased back into it. I was like, well, maybe I can be a sophisticated person and just drink scotch and just have a, a scotch every once in a while and a cigar. <laughs> and a cigar. that lot. didn't work. Gotta love before, the cigar. <laughs> before I knew it, I was heavy into drinking again. And I, and I quit and started and quit and started many, many times. Right now I've been sober for over two years with, with not even a drop. That's so, awesome. But the difference this time is that it was my choice to not drink anymore and um and really enjoying the clear-headedness enjoying the so the sobriety it's 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 a drug in itself just that clear-headedness that ability to drive wherever whenever to be able to think clearly at all all times of the day all in time. any situation there's there's a definite exhilarating feeling to that after you've been many years of, you know, having to say, well, I can't go there because I'm drunk or I can't deal with this right now because I'm buzzed or I can't take that phone call right now or I can't, you know, deal with the bills right now or I can't, you know, you just want to shut the world out because your head's not right. I can definitely relate. So, um, so then I met my current wife cat and um she had two boys and we started dating and um tried to do the the mixed family and it was hard it was hard because i i still didn't know how to be a husband i didn't know how to be a good partner like you had said earlier chad i i had a a tit for tat uh I was keeping tabs on when when my girlfriend was nice to me or when she was mean to me and anytime I I felt that she was being mean I felt like it was a license to be mean right back and only if you know she was being nice or receiving my kind gestures the way I wanted her to would I be nice and it was part of it was that I didn't want to appear weak so if, if I felt that if she made me angry, I felt like I had to retaliate strongly to appear strong to her. And um, like you had said earlier, there was a lot of things that I expected her to say or do, but I never verbalized it. I just I had these hidden expectations of how she should treat me and never never really talked about them. That pride's a real deal. That pride is, man that pride will bring anybody down. I mean, it's, it's bad. I mean, it can, it can really affect your way of life if, if you let it. So the thing that made the biggest change in me was realizing, I keep going back to it, but that, you know, people are just, they're flesh. They're going to make mistakes. And then once you realize that your wife or girlfriend or fiance or husband is never going to be able to perfectly make you happy and do all the things that, that you secretly in your head think that they should be doing. Once you realize that that satisfaction should come from your relationship with God and not from that person. And then once you 
realize that you need to just serve them and it's not a uh, conditional love it's unconditional love then things start to turn around for the better because then you're not you're not scorekeeping you're not holding things against people yeah that's big and you're not you're not expecting them to fulfill your emotional needs in a way that that humans just really can't do it right I, i i have this illustration when somebody is being a little bit difficult or it's just people in general right because people people just will let you down they don't mean to but they do but i have this illustration that that christ is standing right behind that person and i'm serving christ through that person yeah that's so anything i do to that person i do to christ and man he's he's big daddy in my eyes right so i can't talk down to that person get mad at that person obviously i screw up a lot so it def- it's not a perfect science but i believe when you do that uh it will help help the way you look at that person and that's one thing i pray for in the morning is to help see that person the way that he does and i think that 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 helps uh our marriage for our kids going back i'm going down exited the highway for a second going back to you were up north your your wife passed away uh, what happened between that when you kind of started drinking again and everything? Was that up there or actually? Were you I moved in Texas? here. I moved here when I was fourteen to Texas. Yeah. Oh. So. Okay. So yeah, my high school years, my teen, my later teens, my everything early twenties, everything was here. Okay. Right outside of Austin, Texas. So how up on the Lake Travis area? Okay. Okay. How do you feel in those times after your wife passed and you were on and off again drinking? Because, I mean, you went through a lot, right? Trying to be mom and dad all in a moment's notice was was tough, right? Answering some of the questions, being there for the scraped knees, all these different things that a dad, it's just not built in our DNA to be that nurturer. So I imagine that that was a lot. But the question I'm going to ask is, how was your relationship with your kids at that point? Because I know when I well, went through all my junk, mine was not good. Well, bringing the drinking back in was definitely the, the one thing I regret about the way I handled those years and the way I handled the aftermath of that situation. Um, if I had if I had the wisdom and the strength to had just not gone back to it, I think uh, it would have spared the kids a lot of pain. You know, not and that you. I not and that you. I was beating them, but right. And you, there was just times where I I just wasn't there for them. And this is what I forgot. This is what I was going to say. In my grief, I I had a selfishness to me, and I I didn't think about all the other people that had lost this person. Yeah, the family, the mom, the dad, the the even sometimes I'd forget that the children were suffering this. And I, I had a selfish mindset about it, and I always, you know, held it as my grief. And not only did that, you know, kind of keep that wound open, but, you know, it was just wrong to do. And the drinking helped to uh, keep that going, that that negative mindset, that selfish mindset. And, you know... I had to forgive, I had to get to a point of forgiving her for, for leaving us and leaving me to do everything and and leaving them, the children motherless, you know, and, uh, and that's when I started to get my closure and my healing was just when I reached a point to where I could say, you know, this is in the past, I forgive and and uh, I'm just feeling sorry for myself. I'm not really feeling sorry for the person that's passed on from this world because they're not in this. I mean, I feel bad that she didn't come to Christ. I feel terrible about that. How long after, uh, first of all, how, how old were your kids when this happened? They were uh, five and six. Oh, wow. They were they were little bitty. Yeah. So they still needed all the raising. Yeah. How long between with your late wife, and sorry to hear about that, by the way, 
how long until you met your current wife? And had your, when you met, two part question, when you met your new wife, did you, were you still kind of having that internal struggle with yourself? Yes. So it was about four years after I had dragged another girl through my, through my life. I'd moved her in. It didn't really work out. I was trying to quickly fix everything. A man has an instinct. Put a body there. Yeah. A man has an instinct. Of course. To fix everything. I'm like, I'm going to put this family back together as soon as possible. Went and found a girl. I really did care about that girl. But I was still being super selfish. And I still didn't know how to be a husband or a boyfriend. I, I didn't know how. Some people go through their whole life and don't realize. So I was just it. sitting here putting all this expectation on this person mm -hmm. and just hurting this person. Mm. It's terrible. I didn't realize that until later. So then I met my current wife and I was still a complete selfish mess. Right. And I was still having my, um, my, my pity party. I was still wallowing in, in the, in the sorrow of what had happened to me. And um, letting it define me. And not really actively getting over it. And not really healing from it. Um, but she put up with me. And she's watched me grow over the past... Over the past, um, you know, nine years. This was 2011 when, when Lisa passed away. So, what was my the, math might be wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> what was the final? Because I know with mine, my breaking point was when my kid's mom was going to leave, right? I had nowhere else to look but up. What was your final breaking point? What, what, what finally, like, okay, this is, I have nowhere to go. We had like, literally multiple breaking points. We, we hit rock bottom every six months. Where okay. it was just it's the wheel of destruction. I right. was I was the one that would store up a good three weeks worth of anger, then explode, and then explode. And Champagne she would court. do the same thing. Yeah, we would do this to each other, and I it got to a point to where we could put it on the calendar. I'm like, every six months we're gonna blow up, hurt people, hurt and people. And we kept doing yeah. it. We kept doing it. We kept doing it. But we loved each other enough to keep. Coming back together and trying again. Uh, you know, the, the definition of insanity. Insanity. We kept trying the same things, expecting a different result. And then, about a year ago, my daughter, one of my daughters, I have twin daughters. Beautiful daughters. One of my daughters started expressing that, that she wanted to... Uh, you know, dress like a boy and and use a male name and, and all kinds of things like that that I was really shook up by because it just seemed the opposite of truth and the opposite of, of healthy reality and not something that you would want for your child that you love to, to go down a road of living a life that, that's false and that's never going to amount to happiness. Because if you if you structure your life around a false idea, it's never going to really graduate or evolve from that into something that's true. So in the midst of that going on, I just started to feel an overwhelming sense of evil in our country and in the world. And it just started hitting me like a ton of bricks. And then I realized that the Holy Spirit had never left me. And I was, and, and I had been a year sober at this point, by the way. What made, I, what made you get sober? What specific event or, because you're still holding all this guilt and which guilt turns into anger. Let's be we honest. We had that, uh, that ice, uh, the snowmageddon. Yeah. I think it was, uh, 2020, 2021, something like that. But anyway. So I was kind of iced in, frozen in, and uh, I had 
bought a lot of whiskey to make it through that ice storm. And I drank a lot of the whiskey and been there. <laughs> and I just reached a point over that ice ten period that I just got sick of myself and I realized you I realized, Dan, you hate yourself for the way that you drink. And you wake up and you hate yourself and it takes you four or five days to forgive yourself. And then you go do it again as soon as you given yourself, you know, some grace. And I was like, this is one thing that you can change. And I thought of it as, well, if I don't like myself and there's something that I know I've identified as something I don't like about myself and I can do something about it, then... I, I need to just take action on it. And that, that was the mindset I went into this quitting drinking and having that clear plan and having it be, you know, my plan and my idea wasn't imposed on me. I think that's what made it successful. And, um, so back to what I was saying about the gender thing. So I felt, I felt this overwhelming feeling that the Holy Spirit that I knew lived inside me when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old had never left me. And I had just drowned it out with the alcohol. And I, I felt that communication reawaken. And I, it, I feel like it peeled something off of my eyes where I could see the evil agenda and in the way that that the devil was trying to destroy us in in our family so at that point i i came to my wife and i said i i said this might sound crazy to you because at this time we weren't going to church at all right I said this might sound crazy to you but i think we need to start taking the whole family to church every sunday and we need to give our lives back over to god and she said, I agree. I'll support you in that. And she was like, I've been feeling the same thing. And that was, I feel so blessed to have someone, to have a wife that is on board with that. I And, and my heart hurts for, for men and women that are married to someone that that is not, you know, accepting of that. So, or that rejects that. Yeah. So let's talk about that for for just a moment. What I, actually let's go let's go back to to your daughter for a second. Um, what so you hit a breaking point where you just like you wanted something different. You didn't know how to get there, but you knew you wanted something different. Well, it wasn't just my daughter. It was also our difficulties in our marriage. The that, six it, month blow up. So yeah. it was a combination of those two. At this point, my wife had realized that the way that we were trying to do things in our relationship as husband and wife weren't mm -hmm. working. Because mm -hmm. like I said, you put it on the calendar. So that was yeah. evidence that things weren't working. And then with with our daughter, you know, deciding to change her gender, we're like, okay, maybe our parenting style isn't working either. Um, and so that's when everything came to a head and we're like, Let's give both these issues to God. And we gave them completely over to God. And that's that's what made a difference. And that's what healed our, our marriage. And that's what has helped my daughter um, move away from those ideas. So that's where, I was, that's where I was going this whole time is it's hard to give something up that, that, you're, that you're carrying around, right? Because you still had all these things from when you were a teenager as well this all this guilt and i know after time it builds and builds and builds and builds and before long you can't even hardly carry a conversation because of all the guilt which guilt turns into rage rage you know or drinking or whatever that looks like right yeah. you have to have some sort of um an outlet to get to yeah. get that out of you right when you decided to give this to god you were already a believer from a young kid so I want to speak to the, the folks that are out there that are carrying this guilt, that don't know how to get rid of it. When we, was there a certain point that you were able to give this 
over. I mean, because again, it's hard, even with a believer, it's hard to give something to God without trying to take it back. It sounds really simple, but when I realized that I didn't have the skills and I wasn't going to magically get the skills to be a better husband and a better father, just out of the ether, and they weren't, I wasn't just going to all of a sudden figure it out. That's what, that's, I, I just totally gave up. I handed over the reins a hundred percent and, and that's when the six month fighting stopped. That's when the, that's when the, the daily or the weekly, you know, tension started to ease. That's when the communication started to get better. But we put, you know, we put a ton of work into it also. Relation work, right? Spiritual so muscle, we, um, right? We found out the biblical teachings on, on how to approach the relationship. We did... Um, how to be a husband, how to be a wife, right? Yeah, we did, we did a marriage class. I'm trying to remember what it was called. It started with an R. Reunite, I think it was something like that. Reengage, that was it. Reengage. We did that class first. Then we're in our current marriage class up at Grace. The one we did before was at Crossroads Church, which is up the road from here. And then we started going to uh, marriage counseling every week. Okay. And between all those efforts combined, slowly started to learn how to treat each other. Do you feel like? All of this pain, all these years, from, again, going way back to when you were a teenager, do you think that that God used all those things along the way to, well, to come to one litter bottleneck that you just like, I can't do it no more? Because I know that's what happened to me. I, I can see it crystal clear. When I look back, I can see, I can see why I went through certain things and and why God allowed certain things to happen. And he's just moving, moving chess pieces around to where I could be at this point right now. And, um, that, that is maybe one of the greatest feelings as a Christian man is to know that, that God has the playbook, that God, God's writing the plays in the, he's writing the story. I have to be a willing participant but ultimately, he's better at this than I am. Right. So we can wake up each morning and to know that we can rest in the hands of God, right? Because nothing takes him by surprise. You know, it's not like he gets to, you know, 12.01 and you flip somebody off in traffic. Oh, didn't see that one coming. He already knows. He already knows all these things. I Lately, I've been reading a lot of the Old Testament. And I wanted to share one verse with you real quick that, that kind of came to mind during this. It says in Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. None of us have this training, folks. Not one of us have this training. We are on the job training. That's how we learn. And Dan, I want to, first and foremost, I want to say thank you for sharing that story. How, how would you say your relationship with your daughters and your wife are now? much much better um we we pray together now that's and, amazing and i've seen i've seen prayers answered in these relationships guys that's that's the most proof that that you're ever going to get that god is real and that god is working and god is is active right now is is by fully letting go of things and praying about them. And that's when you're going to see the miracles, the little miracles, and see the results. Um, that's what I've witnessed in my heart, in my wife's heart, in my daughter's heart. And there's nothing I could have done on my own to, to heal those relationships. Absolutely nothing. I don't have I don't have it. We're born out of the box as humans with without the we're missing parts. You can't build it. You um, 
I read something the other day, and it just really caught my attention. When we're struggling with something, that when we confess it to God, he already knows these things, right? He's God, right? I mean, he's kind yeah. of kind of a big deal, just saying. <laughs> he already knows all these things. But when we confess it to him in that confessing over time, that it changes our perspective on how we look at it, right? And I believe when we're going through something, when we can't let go of that guilt, when we can't move past a certain something, that the devil shouts like a bullhorn in our ear. But the God that we serve is a gentleman, right? He's going to whisper these things. I believe when we start speaking the truth, his word, and maybe it's something as small as I'm loved. When you start hearing these lies, because it says in the Bible several times that God loves us time and time and time again, maybe, maybe if we don't know a whole lot of scripture, maybe we just start with that. I am somebody right? God does love me. I do have a plan and a purpose. And again, you don't have to know a lot of scripture to, to, to know these things. But I think when we repeat so many, so many things, I'm sorry, when we repeat things so much to our brain, that's a thing, right? We start, now we start believing this, right? Instead of believing the lies, God speaks truth over our lives. Guys, we just, we celebrated Easter yesterday. And I, you guys are going to think I'm nuttier and squirrel poop, but it is what it is. I went home and watched uh, The Passion. And I did that for a big reason. To tell myself, to show myself how much God gave up for me. I watched Judas betraying. One of his original 12 betraying. And he gave him, he gave him up for 30 pieces of silver. I didn't know this until about a year ago. He gave the slave wages back then was 30 pieces of silver. That's how little he thought of Jesus. And I watched this man be tortured, whipped 39 times because 40 would have killed him. I sit there and watch this, this, this man, this, this fleshly man that felt pain just like you and I did, turn towards the cross so many times when he could have just taken it all away because he's Jesus, right? He's, again, kind of a big deal. But he didn't. He continued to walk forward with that. And he went through this, these beatings and these people that spit on him and hit him because they were scared of him. They had to do this in the middle of the night because they knew the big masses of crowds loved this man. But these small little group of people, and we all have these group of people around us in our workplace, in our family, wherever that is, we're going to have these naysayers in our lives. But he didn't bypass this. He went directly towards it, and he went willingly. They didn't have to put him in chains and everything. He walked to them. And he did this because he loves you and I. God pushed all his chips in the middle of the table for us. So for any person that's struggling right now with whatever it is, with uh, guilt, with a lack of uh, confidence of belief in ourselves let's talk about mental health just for a second well right? i want to make a point about the guilt that we've been going back and forth about. sure you have to give yourself grace you have to let go of some of those things that you've held on to things that you've done wrong because god is going to give you that grace because of what jesus did because it's been paid for and if you truly believe that your sins are forgiven in the eyes of God because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, mm, yeah, then you're starting to get some understanding about what this Christianity is. It's about believing that you've been forgiven, even though you you feel that you can't be forgiven because because of, of your done. sins or yeah. because of your current sins or because of what's in your heart or the hate or the anger. I think when people start to understand that it's already done, it's already forgiven. Christ has already paid for it. Now it's time to accept God's grace and forgiveness and to start forgiving yourself and then to move, to move onward and start growing and, and put some distance between that old lifestyle and, and those sins and, and move away from them, leave them in your past. And, um, when, when we're raised in the church, like I was, your parents are driving your 
your participation. Literally, they're driving you to youth group. They're driving you to church. They're they're kind of pushing you along in this, and and you may you may believe it. You may believe it, and but when you when you go out on your own as as a young adult, and you're out of that that pressure. you may you may slip up and walk away from it that's what i did but i have to forgive myself for that you know i i feel it was part of god's plan all the things that happened all those years when i walked away from it and came back to it so and we hurt the ones when we do blow up from that guilt we we hurt the ones that are closest to us cuz we don't think they're ever going to leave we always think that I've done too much wrong. We always think that how could God ever forgive me for that thought or that action or that just that, that, that hate that I have harbored my, in my heart, right? How could I get rid of this? Man, the God I know and the God I serve and the God I love, it says, in, and I may have mentioned this last time, it says in First John 4, I believe it's 18 and 19, for perfect love cast out fear. For fear is a punishment. Those who have been, those who live in fear have not been perfected by love. And we love because we were first loved. But we have to receive that love. We have to receive that forgiveness. And we got to understand that we are that important to him. Again, a long time ago, he pushed, you know, I keep saying chips to the middle of the table because he, he held nothing back for us. And Jesus' most painful time was right before he died because he in that moment he bore the sins of you and me and our grandparents and our children and our grandchildren he bore all the sins past present and future in that very moment and that was in for the first time god had to turn his back on his only son but that's how much he loves us that that's i mean i i still can't believe it sometimes with everything that i've done wrong and everything that i will do wrong that he loves us. He comes in right in our living room, right in our pickup, wherever we are in that moment. But guys, we got to just believe, yeah. believe these things, right? And that's what Easter's and nothing, all about, right? right? There's nothing that we have can do to make him love us any more or any less because he created us. He created every single bit about us. And it says in the Bible that his thoughts of us outweigh the grains of sand. That's <laughs> incredible. Just think about that for a moment. That he, he knows the hairs on our heads because, and I may have mentioned this before, but he never stops counting. You know, in my case, he doesn't have to count very much. <laughs> but, you know, my soldiers pretty much vacated the battlefield. Um, well, I mean, I just want everyone to that maybe isn't a Christian or doesn't know a lot about the Bible or about the scriptures. Easter, Easter is a celebration of, of God sending his son to pay for our past sins, our future sins, to even the playing field so that we can come to him, so that we can one day be with him. Just as we are. We don't have to change. We don't have to hop on one foot 21 times for him to come to us. Just open your arms. He's there. I want to read this out of Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is about, this is the belief. This is what it's about. It's about letting go of your guilt, accepting this grace, Can you and read believing. The next, can you read the next verse too, please, Dan? Believing that Jesus dealt with this for us. We don't have to deal with it. And the next verse for it is with your heart that you believe you are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. And the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blessed, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I'm going to say something that's a little bit bold. It's going to be a little bit abrasive to some people, but it's the truth. We just heard straight out of God's word that has not changed in 2,000 years. If you don't confess, if you don't believe 
that that Jesus is Lord of your life, if you don't make him the center of peace of your life, you don't go to heaven. You know, it's when we get done with this life, it's not like we can hit a reset game over, or, or I'm sorry, we can't hit a reset and start the game. We get one shot at this thing. One shot, and when it's done, it's done. And I know that I didn't know that for years and years and years, but it pains me to hear people that, that aren't there, that I know and care about. And that I don't want anybody to go to the other direction, but you just heard it in God's word right there. I, people, I know tonight, go ahead. Dan, I think sorry. people are seeking truth. I think we're born with that, that itch to find the truth of why we're here. Why do we exist? Why can we think? And an explanation. Why, why can't I be like a dog or a deer? And I just have to worry about eating grass and pooping, you know, why do I have to have this huge thought process at all times of, you know, why this is the truth that you're seeking. This is that thing, is the knowledge that God is real and that he wants us. He wants a relationship with us. We aren't worthy to have a relationship with him. That's why Jesus had to come and die to even that playing field so that we could have a relationship with him. He, yeah. he used a dry erase board, right? Jesus was the the the. Uh, the most dominant eraser because <laughs> he come in and he just erased our sins uh, with what he did. Again, we just had Easter, Easter yesterday. And guys, I know tonight was a little bit heavy and a little bit deep, but I want to thank Dan for his, his truth. That's what this podcast is about. This is about truth. This is about just regular people. We're going to have every episode, we're going to have somebody on sharing their testimony. And I'm, I pray that it will touch one person's heart. Just one person that, that will, maybe just question where they're at in life right now and how much better could my life be? Is my life empty right now? Am I on the May, the, the, the inevitable uh, Maytag wash, rinse, repeat cycle? And you <laughs> want to get off that. Can you pray us out, Chad? Yes. I, I do want to say one, one last thing. Um, man, God loves you. God loves you. And, and we love you. And we care about each and every person that listens to this. Again, I know there's probably all three of you, but um, this is a big deal. This is a, this is a really big deal. And, um, and we there's, wanted, there's nothing that you've done that's going to make it too great or too small. Exactly. To where you're, you can't accept the grace from God. You, you got to let that go. You can't be unloved or loved any more than you are right now, right where you sit in your big chair right now. Holy Spirit. I pray that you bless each person that, that listens to this this podcast. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you again for listening. Again, our sponsors, we may have them one day. We're still working on that. A little technical difficulty. Not really. They just ain't coming yet. We'll get them. We'll get them. Okay. Thank you. We love you. Until next time, come down to the living water and chill with us. <laughs>